I forgot what I was supposed to do. I guess I do hellos. Yeah, do Should it I do like, like the action thing. <laughs> yeah. Hello. This is the Odd Sisters You're gonna, podcast. Like, hurt your throat. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I'm Marcy. <laughs> I'm Allison. And I'm Julia. <laughs> Trying to think of a segue, but I got, I got. Very little. Sorry. Um, That's why we shouldn't keep things a secret. I, I know. Can, I can provide you better segues. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clearer we want paths. that. I can do that for you. <laughs> we but are... let me in. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk a bit about, I guess, of geography oh. in a certain sense. But we're going to talk more about uh, geography relating to uh, people in a very specific time in a very specific place place mm-hmm. not about nature this is such an allison episode already mm-hmm. um i want to specifically talk about um like a family from uh renaissance history but i i realized as i was writing my episode and doing my research that there is a, a some things that people might not know so that it could get confusing if i just kind of went into talking about them so i got mm. some like background Backstory? information some people and then well julia's <laughs> yeah well also people that are listening i can't yeah i don't know what their ed- backgrounds are <laughs> that's true i don't know what they know so just treat them all like julia's <laughs> <laughs> uh we're gonna go through some information um and i'm gonna go through it pretty quickly so please don't like send emails about how i didn't talk about something or i didn't mention something because mm-hmm. nobody sends us emails you know is less <laughs> somebody would have to send us an email first <laughs> um, maybe you should send those emails <laughs> yeah <laughs> fight me. are you out there <laughs> i will argue you um but yeah i've intentionally left a bunch of like it's it's a lot of information and i'm definitely yeah. like yada 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 like yeah. going through a lot of it but we'll just wait okay we'll get to I where trust going. you so Way, way back during the peak of the Roman Empire, Italians had a very urban lifestyle. I have to do one thing before you start. Oh, what? What is around me? <laughs> Slimer. You really couldn't take that seriously? Whoa. Was I, kept, like I, kept, that? I kept looking at Slimer instead of you, oh. and he was just over your head and looked like he was about to swallow your little pea-sized head. Like his mouth was just perfectly oh. positioned. I, mean, I don't know if you need to bring up how small my head is. It's really small. <laughs> it's quite small. Okay. So way, way back during the peak of the Roman Empire, Italians had a very urban lifestyle. Okay. Uh, so the Romans were super into cities, and they built a city in every single country they conquered. So at its peak, the Roman Empire is like they're in uh, Britain, they're in Spain, they're in what will be France and Germany. They're all the way like across the Mediterranean. They're in... Um, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. The with Middle with East, yeah. The Middle Ages with Portugal and... Mm. They're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. everywhere. So 
they've kind of like expanded out. There's a lot of like nomadic tribal kind of people, live, like the Celts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take over their kind of land and they build little cities up as they're going. Um, so the government provided public housing and public buildings. They built public bathhouses, which in Italy were like super popular, which is not <laughs> okay with gross. me. But uh, they also <laughs> they um, uh, invented and built aqueducts, which supplied their cities with clean water. They built sewer systems um, and a whole bunch of <laughs> other services. It's a very water based <laughs> bathhouses, <laughs> sewer systems. History of the world. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> uh, They've provided uh, people with a lot of services that would entice them to moving into the cities. So they want them to not live kind of in the countryside. They would like people to come in and live in the cities. And that's because if everyone was living in a city, it made it really easy for you to tax all your citizens because they're all just in the same spot. Uh So that's kind of like it's a twofold thing. It's like, hey, we're going to give you all this stuff. Come live here, but also give us all your money, Um, which was really important because Rome used all that tax money to you. Like, that's what funded their military. So. Mm. So, you know, so in 285 CE, the Roman Empire was so massive that one emperor could not control the entire thing. So they ended up splitting it into a west half and an east half. And there's two co-emperors that are ruling the entire thing. Okay. So ginormous. Uh, The western half is not doing very good. It's basically crumbling at this point from external forces as well as internal problems. Um, And by 312, when Constantine became emperor of the western half... Uh, he converted to Christianity, and this is when the kind of like Catholic Church kind of starts taking over Italy a bit. So, quote, Constantine gave large gifts of land and money to the church and offered tax exemptions and other special legal status to, what is, this word's always so hard, ecclesiastical? Ecclesiastical? (laughs) I don't know, Catholic Church word. Anyway, it means like holy, like church property. And personnel. Oh. So they get a special, like, legal status. They get tax exempt. She wants to see what it... Yeah? It's a weird church word. Ecclesial. Ecclesial? Okay. I think that's the only time I used that word. I purposely removed it <laughs> further on. Church When stuff. I researched mm-hmm. it, I was like, church. Ecclesial. Uh, Ecclesial. It's almost, I can hear it, like, yeah. in my head. Um, so these gifts and later ones combined to make the church the largest landowner in the West by the 6th century. Jeez. So after the fall of the Rome, fall of Rome, which is basically just the collapse of the Western half of the empire, the Eastern half is going to keep going, but they get renamed the Byzantium Empire at a certain point. Okay. Um, so that's in 46, uh, 476 AD. So after that, Italy is invaded by n- numerous Germanic tribes. Um, so they are kind of like conquering over the region and there's a huge chunk of time where it's like one tribe's in charge and another tribe's in charge and there's like this kingdom established and then this kingdom established. <laughs> there's just it back like, and forth and back and forth. Who are we again? Yeah. <laughs> um, Says here we're rat. <laughs> and the whole time this is happening, the church is still there. Uh, there's still popes. There's still uh, bishops and cardinals. Like that whole thing is kind of still existing. Um, and they're kind of like the only... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Stable force within Italy. So if you're oh, town, okay. like the government keeps changing so often, the even the governments like the the Lombards end up taking over for a really long time, and they just start killing each other. So it's like one guy's king, and then he's murdered by another Lombard, and then that guy's king. So there's like all this like chaos going on, Jesus. and the church is the only thing that is consistent. So it's gaining influence over the people in the region, 
as that's all happening. And then in the eighth century, the church is finally like, we're going to take control of this situation, basically. Like, we can't rule Italy because we're the church, but we're <laughs> going to put someone in power that we want that, like, aligns yeah. with our values and stuff. So in the eighth century, King Charlemagne, via papal invitation, enters Italy and takes over all of northern Italy. Uh, kicks out the Lombards, all that sort of stuff. And then the Pope crowns him king of the Holy Roman Empire. Wow. Which pisses off the empire that's still existing in the East. They're like, what the fuck, guys? We're the Roman Empire. What are you doing? But they're like, nope, we're done with you. We're done with the Lombards. Charlemagne all the way. So um, <laughs> Charlemagne... I can't hear you. <laughs> Quit your uh, bitching. Charlemagne is actually the king of a kingdom that consists of what... Today would be France, Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Luxembourg, Czech Republic, Slovak Republic, and parts of Poland, as well as Northern Italy. Wow. So it is a huge territory. Eventually, it gets divided between his grandsons, and one of them becomes the first king of France. So he gets that section of it. Uh, but it's a huge territory. So he kind of gets crowned king of the Holy Roman Empire. Italy's like, we're with you. And then he just fucks off back to Germany. He's gone. Oh. So Italy in the 10th century is technically part of the Holy Roman Empire, which is still this huge chunk of land, but their king is on the other side of the Alps. So while the rest of Europe goes into like the feudal era and we get kind of into like when we were talking about um, like Isabella the Mm She-Wolf and Charles the Bad and like how there's like the king and the nobles and everyone else is kind of just like peasantry. (laughs) That's not what's happening in Italy. Oh, okay. Um, So they don't have a king to, like, take land away and, like, do all this sort of stuff. So they actually maintained the city lifestyle that they had during the Roman Empire. So everyone is still in cities while everyone else in Europe goes to the feudal system where it's, like, a castle and then it's, like, just peasants, like Mm -hmm. farmers. They're still actually... Yeah. Peasants. They're still actually in cities. Um, And so this gives rise to a political phenomenon known as the Italian city-states, so um, the, that's, uh, a city-state is a political system where an independent city serves as the center of political, economic, and cultural life over its contiguous territories. In other words, if we as time travelers went back to, on a trip to 15th century Italy, we could choose to visit the Duchy of Milan or the Republic of Venice or the Republic of Florence or the Republic of Genoa, and that's just to name a few. There is every single major city that you can think of in Italy right now, like Pisa and whatever, like there's yeah. usually like, um, that city controls like a region around it. There's an entire Wikipedia page that is dedicated to historical mm-hmm. city-states of Italy. And they're all like, they're kind of like their own and then they kind of merge into a bigger one and then they kind of shrink and then they merge. So that's just these like little, little tiny pockets, yeah. yeah, territories where people are oh. together. So each city-state... Yeah, think of them as states. Like yeah. think of them, every city is its own state. Like yeah. the way that the wow. U.S. is like do 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 but it's like Italy on a smaller scale, yeah. and every city is its own state that controls wow. what's going on. Uh, so each city-state was ruled by their own wealthy family, but again, there is no king that's there rewarding these two like nobles. So mm-hmm. there, there is a nobility. Most of it's like what's left from uh, when the Germanic tribes were in charge. There was kind of like families that took control, and they're kind of still hanging around. But um, because there's no king, the hierarchy, so like in the rest of Europe, it's like king, nobles, knights, merchant class, peasants, and like mm-hmm. the, the triangle going down. In Italy, it's literally nobility, and then the merchant class, and then a middle class, and then peasants. So this um, allows people that are like started, uh, whatever, 
a fishing business, yeah. they can actually rise up into the higher mm. ranks because there's no one shoving them down. Yeah. Because they have this like autonomous kind of a thing, which is like what the the Medici's are in Florence. They start as wool merchants. They open a bank, and then suddenly they're ruling over the Republic. If you have the of money, Florence. you have the control. <laughs> so if you can build your business and make money, you can gain control. Everyone can be bought. Yeah. Basically, in Italy. So there's all these ruling families. And this isn't to say this isn't, like, better than the feudal system. It's definitely, there's still so much nepotism happening. It is is corrupt. They are fighting each other as well because there is no king to kind of, like, instigate, kind of, like, control yeah, over Yeah, if people. you can throw over one family that's yeah. in charge, you then become the family in yeah. charge. So it's very, it's a very tense time. <laughs> it's not like a, like, utopia. There's crazy things happening. Yeah. It um, also sets up. Well, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> but it sets up the entire layout for what the mafia becomes. Yes, yes, it does. A family in charge, overthrowing, enough money, you become That's, the family uh, in charge. <laughs> While I was doing my research, I came across this uh, website, which actually had a lot of information. It was very helpful. But it was a PVS website because PVS has a series on the Medicis that is called the Medicis, and it's the, the, Godfa- the Godfathers of Florence, mm-hmm. and that's the entire concept of the show. It's how the Medicis were like the original mafia family. Yep, basically. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so some of these families formed alliances with each other. They either signed peace treaties or they married their daughter to someone's son and they like brought yeah. their families closer. I some of them do. are <laughs> totally enemies with each other. They've got generational um, hatred. Hatred. <laughs> and this is the their rivalries between these families are so infamous that they inspire Shakespeare to do the feud between the Capulets and the Montagues and Romeo and Juliet. Ooh. It's him hearing about <laughs> Renaissance Italy, and he's like, I'm going to write this. So many thumbs were bitten. <laughs> Did you bite your thumb on me, sir? Um, so a couple examples of the royal families. We've got the Medicis uh, in Florence. There's also the Pazzi in Florence. Uh, we've got the Sforzas that are ruling over Milan, the House of Este in Ferrara, the Della Roves in Urbino, and then there's the Orsini and the Colonna, which are descendants from like the Lombards and the Germanic tribes. They're actually in uh, central Italy in a region that is called the Papal States. Wow. So on top of all those different like yeah. city states, you've got the Papal States in the middle. And then southern Italy is the Kingdom of Naples. So it's its own thing. It's very complicated. Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Italian Renaissance My poor politics are. Uh... <laughs> so there is one position of power in all of Renaissance Italy that all of these families are really, really, really after. Ask her. What do you think it is? Borgias. <laughs> no, the position of power. Oh, what do sorry. you think it is? I but you're the on family. the right track. The, no, the you're Pope. on. Yes. So uh, no, the question was I kind of threw it out there without it actually being a question. (laughs) So like family, (laughs) that's the only one I can think of. So during the Renaissance, becoming pope didn't just mean that you were the head of the church. Uh, A pope in the Renaissance was essentially an absolute monarch, and he ruled over the papal states. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the the pope was a Medici or an Orsini or from any of those other wealthy families I mentioned. They could use papal finances and the papal army to, quote, enrich themselves and their families. Wow. So these are people, there's no king in their country. The closest thing to a king is the pope. So as the head of the church, and he's got all this money, you know, the church gets money, the church has its own army. (laughs) And so this is for these, like, merchant class people. This is the closest they can come to being an absolute monarch, like the king is in France or the king is in England and stuff like that. 
I want some feedback when you're done this to see if people actually like these episodes because now I really want to do a follow-up on the Sporzas in, in Milan. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So badly. <laughs> yeah, me too. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to watch all of The Sopranos and get back to you guys. <laughs> That's the most I'm willing to do. <laughs> No, it's a good one because that's where Leonardo da Vinci is born. Or starts his career, not born. In The Sopranos? No. Yes. Wow, there's so much more to that than I thought. <laughs> so um, their their nepotism didn't just stop with like rewarding titles and stuff to their family. It also happened within the church. Um, so just real quick for anyone who doesn't know anything about how the Catholic Church works. Um, popes are elected by a very specific body of clergymen, which is known as the uh, College of Cardinals. Um, and the appointments into the College of Cardinals are in turn done by the Pope. So it's this weird like circle where it's like the Pope elects people into the College of Cardinals, that yeah. Pope dies, those are the people that elect the new Pope. It's right he for appoints corruption. People. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So um, there's some white smoke. So in the, Ren- <laughs> in the Renaissance, uh, one of the first things that a new Pope would do would be to appoint new Cardinals into the College of Cardinals. And a lot of the times they would appoint their nephews into the College of Cardinals. Or like favoritism. Yes, or people they had alliances with or people they owed favors to. They might be like, hey, I'll make your younger son or your brother, like whoever, I'll appoint them into the College of Cardinals. Um, So uh, this is a very, like, the the College of Cardinals is a very powerful position in Renaissance Italy. And the idea behind this is, like, the more Medici's in the College of Cardinals means that it's more likely to have a pope that's going to align with what, the Medici's want, or it's more likely that the next Pope is going to be a Medici because that's, you know, how it is. Because even though according to like the rules of the Catholic church, um, any person who's Catholic, any man who's Catholic could be put up for nomination for Pope, Mm -hmm. but every single Pope that has been elected since 1379 was originally a member of the college of Cardinals. So it is just yeah. constantly like they are only electing the people that they are around for Pope. And then those people are only putting their family and their friends in there. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't work out. Sometimes you get someone who's elected that's like not in your best interest. And then they put people in that are in their best. But mm-hmm. so there's like a lot of like political things yeah. happening yeah. within that. Yeah. So crazy. <laughs> that's that's a lot. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's nuts. So it's all just it's insane. Um, And this is really, like, no one is really looking at this at this, like, during the Renaissance, no one's really looking at the nepotism that's going on and thinking, like, this is a bad thing. It's just kind of, like, how it is. Yeah. Um, Eventually, it is going to lead into, like, that's why Martin Luther uh, puts up his bill thing and, like, starts, like, the Protestant Reformation is because of what's going on in the church this is not anything about god but he's not part of the college of cardinals he's not in this upper echelon he's at the bottom and he's like you guys this is fucked up and then the the pope's like well you're excommunicated and he's like that's fine but um (laughs) they don't the people that are up in the the upper hierarchy part of it they're like yeah "Yeah, this is how we do it and no one is like questioning it or upset with it or they're just rolling with it so (laughs) um yes so there isn't anything Yeah, there isn't really anything different. And so when it comes to the family that we're going to talk about today, when they come into power, they don't do anything differently than what every single Orsini Pope and Medici Pope and Colonna Pope is doing. But for some reason in pop culture, they are so horribly vilified for doing the exact same thing that everyone else was doing 
And um, we'll Did get I spoil it already. No, it's you're good. okay. <laughs> uh, we'll get more into bad. it a bit later. Uh, this is why I tell you not to ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> I get nervous. But, um, I do think it's very interesting the actual history based around this family versus what the pop culture thing is versus why maybe we go more towards like the pop culture idea of them. I think is very fascinating. So, uh, Pope, in, folks. Pope Nicholas V died in 1455, and the College of Cardinals gathered to elect a new pope. So the power players in the College of Cardinals, people that hold the most sway over everything, mm-hmm. are a guy called Latino Orsini and Prospero Colonna. The Orsini and the Colonna are their noble families. They have territories within the papal states that they control. They fucking hate each other. <laughs> they are the worst of enemies. But they're both in the church. Um, so... <laughs> Prospero nominates himself to be the next pope. He's like, I should be the next pope. He gets a couple votes, but it's not enough. Thanks to Latino, who like is kind of like, tell, like, don't vote for Prospero. Don't do it, guys. So his kind of allies and people he can influence don't vote for Prospero. Prospero doesn't get enough votes. So I'm going to nominate someone else. Um, so it's suggested that Domenico Caparanica should be pope. Whoa. I don't know if I'm saying these names right. Uh, but he is also a friend of the Colonna family. So again, Latino blocks that whole thing. Not enough votes. So then Latino suggests that they should vote Pietro Barbo to be the next pope. Um, but Bar- Barbo is really young. And there's kind of this whole idea with the, the popes that they don't really want the popes to be around for no. that long. No. So they kind of, the Colonna are like, do we w- really want a pope that could potentially live for like 40 years and be pope? <laughs> no, we don't really want that. So Barbo doesn't get enough votes. Not so, you have someone do their job for a really long time. Well, I know, right? <laughs> do they? Sorry, this is just me being not knowing. No, ask as many questions. Um, do is the only way out to die or to yes, be like the, once you're. Uh, I mean, I guess you could leave the church technically, but once you're appointed into the College of Cardinals, I don't. You can't be removed from the College of Cardinals. There's certain rules, like I think if you're over the age of 80 and you're in the College of Cardinals, you're actually not allowed to be part of the voting process. Like, there's weird specific rules in within it. But we just had a Pope retire, didn't we? We did, yeah. And it was, like, a huge thing where it was, like, he's leaving? Yeah. Mm. But there are, like, there's rules around it, but technically it's an appointment. Like, I guess the Pope could elect to leave, but you can't overthrow the Pope. Yeah. That makes sense? Right, yeah. Yeah. And that same with, sense. like, the Cardinals. They could elect to leave the College of Cardinals. They can't be like, hey, you, can't you be kicked suck. Out. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, too bad. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah. Um, so they need to come up with a compromise because they need a new pope. And so they can't pick someone who's a friend or a foe of the Orsini because Latino is going to block it. And they can't pick someone, or sorry, of the Colonna because Orsino, yeah. the Orsinis are going to block it and vice versa. If they pick someone that's a yeah. friend of the Colonna, you right. know, like, so we it's need just, an outsider. we need a, a yes. neutral we need a neutral. So enter 77-year-old Alonzo Borgia. <laughs> 77. 77. Just born, makes the cut. Yeah. Born on December 31st, 1378 in the Kingdom of Valencia, which is in Spain. Uh, it is its own independent kingdom, but at this time it is actually ruled by the Kingdom of Aragon, which mm-hmm. we talked about previously. Peter the Cruel and Charles the Bad, we went into like what Spain is doing. <laughs> Alonso's parents were fairly wealthy and they owned land. Uh, so it probably was really weird for them when their only son decided to join the church and not like inherit their land. That was probably like a weird, um, weird moment. And they're yeah. like, what do you mean? Uh, he only had two younger sisters. 
which is one of them is called Isabella. So in 1444, at the age of 66, Alonzo was appointed to the College of Cardinals. So he's been a priest. He studied law. He's been a priest and like a clergyman this whole time, but he officially gets into the College of Cardinals in 1444 because he helped reconcile Pope Eugene IV and the King of Naples slash the King of Aragon, Alfonso V. Eugene. Eugene. (laughs) So there's a huge argument between the two. Um, Alonzo, because he's from Valencia, so technically Alfonso, that's so hard to say. <laughs> yeah, remember mine where there was Alfonso and Afonso? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the Alonso, fuck? Uh, Alfonso is Alonso's king. So when there's like conflict between him, or the church, and Alfonso, Alonso acts as like the mediator and the ambassador between the yeah. two, helps reconcile them. And as a thanks, they appoint him to the College of Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, so he actually participated in the papal conclave that had elected Nicholas V. So he was in there when Nicholas got elected. Right. Um, he was known for being peaceable and kindly and was elected as pope because, quote, none of his fellow cardinals could imagine him interfering, interfering in their affairs. But that wasn't going to be the case with Alonso. <laughs> no. So he, He's a long con. He's just like, yes, <laughs> yes. you can trust me. Uh, he becomes pope. I'm playing the same game. <laughs> he takes the name Calixtus III. Jeez. What? Um, you, wh- one more time? Calixtus. Okay. I think that's how you say it. Calixtus. Anyway, there's an X in there. X's are always, I've ever, never not. Crazy, like, man. <laughs> Sometimes they're S's. Yeah. Sometimes they're H's. Yeah. Sometimes they just don't, you don't pronounce them at all. Yeah. Hey, maybe it's Calixtus? I don't know. Um, so not in, everyone in Italy was happy about the new Pope. Probably also because he's Spanish and not Italian, and that's a huge kind of a thing for the people in Italy at this time. Uh, so the day of his coronation, packs of tufts affiliated with the Orsini and the Colonna war- roamed the streets of Rome, claiming to be offended that a Catalan had become Pope. Catalan is like a slang for a Spanish person. Yeah. So they're upset that there's a foreign pope, that he's not Italian. Uh, Latino Orsini, uh, he was actually the brother of the guy that was leading these gangs through the streets. So the cardinal's brother is like, fuck this Spanish pope, and like like, charging like mobs through the streets. Going through things. Um, (laughs) But uh, Calixtus uh, III, now, uh, he turned to Latino while they were like dealing with this whole. mob issue and he said, told him to quote control his family now or else and people were like oh shit Calixtus has like <laughs> some Conan attitude now <laughs> but he was so nice as literally as soon as they just like put the hat on yeah. and just frowns <laughs> I hate you all now I feel like it's like eye patch Morty yeah. <laughs> yeah anyone else got a problem yeah so while Calixtus the third had been slowly making his very slowly because he's 77 making his way up through the ranks of the church his sister isabella had gotten married and had three children juana so one daughter juana uh, a son named pedro luis and a son named rodrigo <laughs> following calixtus the third's coronation 25 year old rodrigo was made a deacon cardinal and pedro luis was made captain general of the papal army mm. so nepotism Which they taken earned. off yes no totally. they earned that <laughs> <laughs> Calixtus may have spent his life in the church compiling a list of things that he wanted to fix because he was the busiest pope ever. He was just constantly sending out like the, a papal bill for this and trying to fix this and doing this. Like he was just nonstop busy, which is really important or really impressive because he was actually his health was so poor that some days he couldn't even get out of bed. 
He was literally, like, lying in his bed. He would call, like, secretaries to his bedside and give them specific instructions on something he wanted them to do or, like, write up a papal bill and hand it to this guy and, like, write up something else and hand it to this guy. Wow. Uh, he is just crazy. He's just, it's a, the, the book I have said that it was an endless stream of letters and papal bills that wow. came out of, so both, that came out of his bed. <laughs> um, he also set about planning to retake Constantinople, which had fallen to the Turks just two years prior. Mm. So he's very busy. I think I know a song about that. <laughs> Goes a little soap now. <laughs> no, because then we're all going to be singing it for the rest of the day. I'm going to call you at like 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody just put the Turks. <laughs> just hang up. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, another task. <laughs> Sorry, I'm good. Another was task really was to bring order to the countryside <laughs> north and west of Rome. So this is the land that was uh, being misruled by the Orsini. So this is where the Orsini are. They're just like being absolutely horrible. Uh, quote, the people who worked the land had sunk into a state of profound demoralization after generations of being treated as little better than livestock. Oh, geez. Wow. So the Orsini suck. Yeah. Uh, but they're also very powerful. So Pedro Luis was put in charge of the papal army and he was given the task of taking control of Orsini territory. It's not going to so go well. the Orsini are like... Is it his first day? Yeah, this is his first like yeah. job task yeah. thing. It's like, hey, oh boy. Pedro Luis, <laughs> you're, <try> my best. <laughs> you're in charge of the papal army, plus go, go manage the Orsini. So the Orsini aren't very happy with this, but Pedro Luis manages to like kind of like calm down the territory, kind of oh, like... Wow. You know, it's not like peaceful, like the Orsini are like grumbling about it, but there's not really anything they can do at the moment. Um, and then Claxtus promoted Pedro Luis to the position of prefect of Rome. So this is a position that uh, as soon as it was created until this exact moment had been held by members of the Orsini family. And they actually viewed it as their hereditary right, even though it's not a hereditary position. It's just that they have been the prefect of Rome for so many generations that they're like, it's ours. And then he's like, no, Pedro Luis is that. So uh, Pedro Luis is now the number one enemy of the Orsini. There's nobody they hate more than Pedro. <laughs> he's like 20 something too. Poor, sad. And it wasn't Pedro. him. No, but he still. was just given that position. That's not fair. They're not happy with it. Uh, Rodrigo, on the other hand, is having a much better life. Uh, he's been sent to the Northeast to bring order to lands that are ruled by members of the Sforza family. Jeez. Uh, he actually managed to overthrow a tyrannical ruler in that region, and the people there saw him as a liberator. Mm. So he's actually doing, he's very good, like, um, diplomatically. Rodrigo is awesome. He knows what to do. He's not very good with money. He keeps having a lot of overspending money on things. Um but other than that, he's actually a very good politician, which at the church, like politician and church leader are kind of like interchangeable mm -hmm. jobs at this moment. Uh, but unfortunately for him, well, actually, maybe positively for him, uh, he ends up getting recalled to Rome in 1457 because poor Calixtus III is so old and so sick. And all he wants in the whole entire world is just to have one family member next to him. And so he calls Rodrigo back to Rome and says, I've appointed you to the College of Cardinals. And then he, Rodrigo gets there, and he gets promoted to vice chancellor of the Holy Roman Church. So mm. he's in now. <laughs> he can't leave. No. 
Uh, by August 15, 1458, it was obvious that Pope Calixtus was in his final days. Orsini gangs took to the streets looking for revenge. Spanish citizens of Rome had to stay in their homes or else they would be attacked on the street. It didn't matter if they were a Borgia or not. Anyone Spanish was freaking just attacked. Jeez. A couple people were killed by the Orsinis. Uh, and Pedro Luis was now afraid for his life. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. He should be. So uh, Rodrigo and his friend, Pietro Barbo, managed to amass a small company of troops and managed to get Pedro Luis out of the city. So they smuggled him out of the city. And then Rodrigo returned to the Vatican and to his uncle's bedside. And when Calaxis III died the following day, Rodrigo was sitting beside him. Which is sweet. That's all, yeah. that's all that old man just wanted. Yeah. He just wanted one family member there. And Rodrigo was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that for you. And then he died. Then he died. In peace. So now it's time to elect a new pope. I feel like we just got ours. <laughs> now it's a new one. How long did he last for? Uh, he was elected in 1455, and he died in 1458, so three years. Oh. But he's old. He got elected when he was 77, so... That's why they don't met, let you do it past 80. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's apparently oh, just well. when you expired back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So the new guy is a guy. His name is... His birth name... <laughs> new guy is a guy. Is a guy, sorry. His birth name is e- Enea. Enea Silvio... Piccolomini. Whoa. He's from Siena. That's He's going to become name. Pope Pius II. Piccolomini. He only won the election because of Rodrigo Borgia. So there was a huge deadlock again because there's so many conflicting like families, families and like politics involved in it. He was like, it was him and the other guy had the exact same amount of votes. And through like a series of circumstances, uh, Rodrigo stood up in front of all the cardinals and was like, I think Piccolomini should be the next cardinal. These are all the reasons why. And then he was so compelling with it that more people were like, yeah, I agree with that. Piccolomini should be the next. So he owes his entire, like, Pope job to Rodrigo. (laughs) Pope job. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and Rodrigo did this because him and Pius had become friends years earlier, even though Pius was 25 years older than Rodrigo. They had this, like, father-son-esque relationship where Rodrigo's dad had died when he was young and Piccolomini... Had before he had joined the church, had been married, and his kids had died, and then he joined the church as you do, and so they kind of like filled this like void that the other had. Um, and so Rodrigo, rem- he obviously he can't get kicked out of the College of Cardinals, but he can be removed from being vice chancellor of the church. But because they're friends, he keeps that job. So oh. he, there's all this like paperwork <laughs> and stuff he has to do. Um, as that, so Pius the Second hated Rome. He's not into it. He doesn't want to be there, which is awkward because that's where the Pope is supposed to live. Uh, so he spends most of his time on diplomatic missions and then uh, sojourning in Siena, which is where he's from. So he's just like not in Rome at all. Uh, and Rodrigo accompanied him on a lot of his travels. Rodrigo, on the other hand, is a total workaholic. He's not relaxing. Uh, quote, the chancery's affairs were too essential to the papacy itself to be left in the hands of functionaries. So like lesser Mm-hmm. Then Rodrigo. Uh, couriers would have been galloping to and from between Siena and Rome, carrying all of Rodrigo's paperwork. Jeez. <laughs> so in June 1460, Pius was on a little vacation in Mantua when he received some disturbing news from Siena. Uh, it was news regarding Rodrigo, and it made Pius so upset that he wrote Rodrigo what has to be one of the longest, angriest letters from the Renaissance. Oh, my god! It's very upsetting. This is going to only be a part of it. In my book, it is forever long. But here, I'm going to read you. You just took out the hits. (laughs) Beloved son, 
We have learned that three days ago, a large number of women of Siena, adorned with all worldly vanity, gathered in the gardens of our well-beloved son, Giovanni de Bicis, and, at your em and that your eminence, in contempt of the dignity of your position, remained with them from one o'clock until six o'clock in the afternoon, and that you had in your company another cardinal, to whom at least his age, if not the honor of the Holy See, should have recalled his duty. <laughs> we are told that the dances were immodest and the seductions of love beyond bounds, and that you yourself behaved as if you were one of the most vulgar young men of the age. In truth, I should blush to set down in detail all that I have been told of what happened. <laughs> Not only of these things themselves, but the mere mention of them are a dishonor to the office you hold. In order to have more freedom for your amusements, you forbade entry to the husbands, fathers, brothers, and relations who came with these young women. You two with a handful of attendants were the sole organizers and instigators. We are more angry than we can say, for it is cause of dishonor to the, uh, that's that stupid word again, <laughs> ecclesial state, the holy state, and contempt for our ministry. It gives a pretext to those who ecclesial. accuse us, ecclesial state, uh, accuse us of using our wealth and our high offices for orgies. The vicar of Christ himself is an object of scorn because it is believed that he closes his eyes to these excesses. Wow. wow. So this is one of the biggest... Uh, God saw you. Yeah, right? Red, <laughs> one out of five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this letter is what people point to when they want to talk about the corruption of the Borgias and how bad they were. They This is the letter that they point to, and it's still on, like, like the Vatican has all these, like, records and stuff like that. They still have this letter, and they have the second one that Pius sent to Rodrigo. Uh, but between... This letter and the second one, Rodrigo sent a letter back to Pius and explained what had happened, and that letter has been lost. It is just gone. There's no record of it. We have the two letters oh. on either side of it, but the middle one with the explanation is gone. And it maybe was just lost, or maybe it was intentionally destroyed. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, but the um, author of the book that I read, this historian named G.J. Meyer, he argues that this event probably never happened. Quote, it sounds ludicrous to 21st century ears and would have been even more implausible in Renaissance Italy. So the whole idea of like these women accompanied by their fathers and their brothers and their relations and their husbands, like going yeah. into this garden party and Rodrigo and another cardinal being like, you guys stay outside. Like that would never happen in no. Renaissance Italy. No one would let their daughter or like their wife just be alone. Mm -hmm. Like it would no. never, ever happen. Just be alone. Plus, yeah. <laughs> it just never. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Plus this like party that turned into some weird like exotic dancing orgy was actually supposed to be a baptism for a baby, which I don't know, but to <sighs> me, baptism for baby doesn't like translate to party. let's go have an orgy. I but mean, you never know when a party's gonna break out. <laughs> yeah. But usually not at a baptism. No, usually yeah. not. Uh so uh <laughs> Like I said, Rodrigo wrote a letter back to Pius, and he was like, no, dude, this is what happened, but we'll never know what the this is what happened was uh, because it's gone. Uh, but we do have the letter that Pius sent in reply, which said, received your eminence's letter and take note of, your of the explanation you give. Your actions, my dear child, cannot be free from fault, though it may perhaps be less grave than I was first told. We mm. exhort you to refrain henceforth from such indiscretions and to take the greatest care of your reputation. We grant you the pardon you ask. So long as you do good and live in modesty, you will have in me a father and protector whose blessing will be showered likewise upon those who are dear to you. Okay, so, so that doesn't sound like he participated in an orgy no, then? No. So, I don't know. Who, Who knows, knows what happened? Who knows? 
1462, Pius attempted to take uh, to start a sec uh, like a new crusade to take back Constant Constantinople, uh, but he needed the help of a European king. So he like went out to all the sent a message out to the European monarchs, and he was like, "Who wants to take care of my crusade?" But no one answered. So then Pius was like, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, awkward. <laughs> Been there, Pius. So, <laughs> really? I mean, not with a crusade, uh, but like, you know. You were like, let's go to Constantinople. No one? Oh, <laughs> what? weird. Fine. I'll just go myself. So, in 1463, uh, Pius set out on his, in June 1463, Pius left Rome. And he's like, I'm going to go on this crusade. He takes kind of an army with him. Uh, he got, gets sick with a fever almost immediately. Of course oh. he does. They keep marching on. At one point, Rodrigo meets up with them, and they get to the city of Ancona, which is on the eastern coast of Italy, and they're going to sail across. They're going to wait for this Venetian army, and they're going to sail across to Constantinople, but the Venetian army just doesn't show up, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. But Ancona is a town where people are coming back and forth from the Crusades, and we talked about this on our episode on um, plagues and stuff like that. Uh, people coming back from the plague is kind of what brought the... Plague. plague over to Europe and so uh, they eventually uh, all got the plague uh, Rodrigo gets sick he manages to survive but Pius gets really bad and he dies oh so whoop um, <clears throat> there's a rumor at this time that a uh, doctor goes to see Rodrigo and says that there isn't much hope of him surviving and then makes some comments about how Rodrigo quote didn't sleep alone in his bed last night and so people thought maybe he had syphilis but his symptoms line up more with the plague <laughs> than with syphilis he had like swelling under his arm and stuff like That's that an instantaneous mm -hmm. syphilis right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that was the other person who was in his bed <laughs> <laughs> syphilis <laughs> <laughs> so we got to go back to Rome to elect You're a new pope. Never alone. <laughs> yeah, you've always got me, but not your nose. No. no. Um, Who do you think takes it? <laughs> I got your nose. Yeah. Come on, syphilis. Give it back. This is terrible. Let's get off this. <laughs> so we got to go back to Rome to elect a new pope, and the new pope is gonna be. Pietro Barbo, the same guy from the very beginning, from 1455, that they said was too young. He's not too young anymore. <laughs> yeah, we've gone through some time. He's also the Pietro Barbo that helped sneak Pedro Luis out of uh, Rome. So he's been he's yeah, become friends BFFs. with Rodrigo. Yeah. Um, and there's no one to say that he can't be uh, Pope anymore because his one big, the, the person that was saying no to him the most was Prospero Colonna, and he's also dead. So... <laughs> I outlived them all. <laughs> so now we've got Pope Paul II. And uh, I don't know what the relationship was between Barbo and Rodrigo, uh, but uh, Pope Paul II was secretly a huge dick. I don't know if Rodrigo knew about that. Um, but Pope Paul, quote, <laughs> had an uncompromising belief in the papacy as supreme and the Pope as sovereign over cardinals, councils, emperors, and all other challengers. Wow. Because he's Challengers. Like, how young was he when he got? Uh, he was pretty young. Yeah. I mean, like Rodrigo was too, Rodrigo was only twenty five when he got. But yeah, it would screw with your head a bit. So yeah, he thinks the Pope is the. But be he's all been in the, the that position since he was twenty because he was like a proposition for Pope when he was twenty. Yes. Not just working his way up. Yeah. So he's been in this shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the Cardinals almost immediately regret electing. <laughs> I like, love this. Why do we do this game that they're doing? Where it's like, yeah, you 
he's okay. And you're like, I'm just a nice guy. It's like, here's your hat. Yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. You all worship me now, This right? is the true like They like sit down, they're like, what if we're all just assholes? <laughs> <laughs> just glaring at yeah, each other. Yeah, like... Um, it could be any yeah. one of us next. So, <laughs> that is, he is, <laughs> da, 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 uh, that's 1463. Um, he kind of reigns as Pope. I didn't write down anything he did. Uh, he lives until 1471, and then he dies from a very sudden heart attack. Mm. So, new Pope now. Wow. Uh, Francesco della Rosa. Heart attack? Everybody hated him. <laughs> he was, I don't know. Uh, Francisco della Rove. Rova? Rove? Uh, he's elected Pope. He is Pope Sixtus the Fourth. Quote: He quickly revealed not only a previous unsuspected toughness and a ruthlessness that could <laughs> turn. Under- Man, we are all assholes. <laughs> that I'm could turn you. under pressure into outright brutality. Yeesh, also, bro. completely unsuspected and equally troubling when it manifested itself was a devotion to his family that went almost beyond the bounds of reason. Wow, what does that mean? Are we about to find out? No. Uh, so during that time, Rodrigo was given... Uh, <laughs> we will. I'll go back to it. Don't worry. No. No. <laughs> Continue. Rod- Rodrigo was given a rich abbey of Subiaco, which is near Trivoli, and he was also uh, made the Bishop of Al- Albano. Um, and Sixtus also signed a bull decreeing that Rodrigo would not be required to give up any beneficials bestowed upon him by previous popes, which meant everything that he got from his uncle, Calixtus, he got to keep anything that Pius had given him, he got to keep. So he kind of is like, I don't think he's a vice chancellor of the church anymore, but he's still the um, bishop of Valencia, which is the kingdom in Spain where he's from. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in July 1472, Rodrigo left Rome and went back to Spain. Uh, He had a lot of stuff to do. Uh, at the time, the kingdom of Aragon was trying to marry their, like, king to uh, the queen of the kingdom of Castile, which was going mm. to merge the countries into what we now know as Spain. Oh. Yeah. Very exciting stuff happening. And Rodrigo was the church's ambassador kind of acting with the kingdom of Aragon. So he's got a lot of stuff to do over there diplomatically. We uh, talked about Castile and yeah. Peter the Cruel. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile... So uh, because of Sixtus, there was a civil war happening in Italy. So it's probably good that Rodrigo left. <laughs> he was like, yeah. peace, guys. Uh, so the Sixtus had a whole thing. He was trying to, uh, when he got elected, his family had like a, a history and a name, but they didn't have any money. So as soon as he became Pope, he was like, it's time to make my whole family rich again. And this was like, it put him at odds with every other person and because he was trying to like take stuff from other people and give it to his nephews and give it to his brother yeah. and you now have this so, land you yeah have this house and um and uh he was trying to take over uh control of a the region that's it's in the papal states it's north it's called romania he was trying to take control over that uh but venice also kind of wanted that area so he's basically at war with venice and then <laughs> to reach a compromise he said hey venice give me romania and i will give you uh, Ferrera in exchange, which really upset the Duke of Ferrera, who was not on board <laughs> with the He's just like in the middle of eating a sandwich, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Duke of Ferrera goes to the other like city states and he's like, guys, did you know that the Pope could get to just give our land away? And they're like, fuck no, absolutely not. So they end up forming this alliance that's Florence, Naples, Milan. Mantua, Urbino, a bunch of other smaller city states, and Ferrera all teamed up against the Pope. So wow. <laughs> things are freaking crazy. 
Uh, Rome descends into chaos. Um, the people from the city-states come in and attack. There's armies. There's a whole bunch of fighting. Yeah. Houses are burned down. All this sort of stuff. And in the midst of it, Sixtus dies. Where do you go, Sixtus? <laughs> so Rodrigo returns to Rome to help elect the new pope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 86. That's a restaurant joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get it. When you're out of something, you're 86. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, wow. <laughs> hey, there's a market. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rodrigo returned to Rome to help humor. elect the new pope. Uh, so at this point, the um, both Rodrigo and uh, Gu- Ju- sorry, Gu- Julia. <laughs> Juliano <laughs> de la Rove. I like who, Juliano. Uh, who is Sextus's nephew that he nominated to the College of Cardinals. Uh, they're both in the running for pope, but... They would have to, like, the way that the votes go, either Rodrigo would have to say yes to Giuliano becoming Pope or he would have to say yes to Rodrigo becoming Pope, and neither of them are going to do that. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a deadlock. Um, And eventually they decide to not elect either of those two, and instead they elect Giovanni Battista Sibbo, who becomes Pope Innocent VIII. Uh, His, his, um, in my book... Bettina? (laughs) In my book, they, like, really, like, just walk over like innocent is almost never mentioned in it so i looked up his wikipedia page and it said that he was very um concerned about the existence of witches mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was really he was super concerned with that he was also super into slavery oh, so fuck that guy we don't need to talk about him um, <laughs> he he his nepotism was like a weird kind of he had two illegitimate children uh, they were born before he joined the church, still illegitimate though, but he ended up marrying his oldest son to Lorenzo de Medici's no, that daughter. That needed a different... <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> marrying his oldest son yeah. to... <laughs> to Medici. So, uh, in a sense, oldest son marries Medici, Lorenzo Medici's daughter, mm. and they kind of <laughs> like form a bond between those families. <laughs> and in like exchange for the marriage happening, uh, he makes uh, Medici's 13-year-old son a cardinal. Ooh. <laughs> I bet the robes fit real well. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's uh, just like <laughs> arms are just like touching the floor. And also, this is I copy and pasted this from Wikipedia because this is just insane. By July 1492, Innocent had become very skinny. He had become an inert mass of flesh, incapable of assimilating any nourishment, but 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 a few drops of milk from a young woman's breast. Who is that? That's the boy? No, that's the the Pope. Pope. I don't know why that was an option when it came to feeding him, but that's what it said. I love that last resort. Yeah. Well, maybe. Or like... Really weird. Anyway, he he died on July 25th. You just wake up in the middle of the night and you're just craving something. (laughs) Like, hmm. This sounds crazy, but... (laughs) Yeah. I am the Pope, so it's worth a try. Yeah. And get whatever I want. Uh, Yeah, so he died on July 25th. I guess that was still not enough nourishment for him. His death rattle. (laughs) Breast Uh, milk. (laughs) So back to Rome. We got to elect a new Pope. Of the 23 cardinals in the conclave, only Rodrigo and uh, Jorge da Costa of Portugal were were not Italian. So everyone else is 21 out of 23 cardinals, all Italian. <laughs> 21 so, out of 23 cardinals agree. <laughs> <laughs> so it seemed, it seemed very likely that the next pope would also be Italian. But uh, the rivalries between the Italians had reached such an extreme that there was no way they could elect an Italian pope. 
So every nomination ended in deadlock until finally, fearing that Della Rove might be the next pope, and he was a huge dick, uh, Cardinal Acanio Sforza instructed all the cardinals to vote for one of the two not Italian cardinals. And in 1492, just as Christopher Columbus was getting ready to sail to China, uh, Rodrigo Borgia was elected as pope, which we will talk about on the second half of my episode. Whoa! (laughs) It's a big year for Spain. Yeah, it's a huge year for Spain. Spanish Pope. Wow. They're going to China. Yeah. So many exciting that's things. And crazy. so that, um, the the marriage between Aragon and Castile, that's the king and queen, like Queen Isabella of Spain that yeah. uh, fund Christopher Columbus's voyage. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very exciting. This is like, your, like your own, like you guys have like your own universe going on. <laughs> like I don't know what to call it. A series of. Yeah. Middle Ages, the, yeah. What I don't know, M A U, Middle <laughs> Ages <laughs> universe. <laughs> we should we should like tag all the episodes that have to do with all the different yeah. people. You could listen to them chron- chronologically, yeah. Yeah. and then finish with the Christopher Columbus episodes. Whoa, Ooh. yeah. Then we could start in Canadian and American history, <laughs> pre post. Sorry, post Columbus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, I haven't whoa. even brought up Cesare and Lucrezia yet. Nope. Nope. I was waiting for it, and I was like... to get real. <laughs> I don't know these people. <laughs> Felt like I was in a room <laughs> at a party I was invited yeah. to, but... I wanted to... Oh, they were serving this breast milk. To... <laughs> <laughs> you know? Can I, can I leave? <laughs> I think I'm Fucking weird, man. Um, I, yeah, I need to know the train of thought that gets you to that place. I guess maybe it's like... Nope. No, I can't, no, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I think it's just. It's so weird. Oh, not no. a fan. No. Bizarre. Also, that poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was her deal? Yeah. Hopefully, there was money involved. Some yeah. gross old blob <laughs> gelatinous <laughs> man. It's described as an inert mass of flesh. An inert <laughs> mass of flesh. Ew. Let me just get this. Come yep. here and look after him. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I would just look after him. That's <laughs> awful. Ew. So yeah, gross. That's crazy. Well, thanks, Ellie. I'm uh, excited for your next one. Yeah, yeah we're never going to get that picture out of our heads. Nope. No. <laughs> they all like, died so quickly. Like, yeah. for something that you have to, you'd think that they would have this yeah, very lengthy, and but now it makes sense why they don't want to have younger people. It is weird, because I didn't bring up all the names for people that were, like, up for nomination, but it is, like... Like, the 13-year-old boy getting made a cardinal and, like, Rodrigo at 25 being, well, I guess he was a little older than 25, but, like, in the early, like, 30s yeah, into the College of Cardinals. And then it's, like, but if they had, when Rodrigo was 33, if someone had been, like, should he be the new pope? They'd be, like, absolutely Well, but then not. also that guy that was, they had thought about him, but he was too young. Yeah. And then he turned out to be a total dick. Yeah. Could you yeah. imagine if they had nominated him when he was 20? And yeah. he's like, that whole yeah, thing. Exactly. Maybe that's part of the loophole, too. Yeah. They're like, we know we are all horrible. I love yeah. how it's dealing with, pope no, like, dealing with the problem is not what they do. No. They just are like, well, we want to put it in a position that if they suck, then they'll just die in a couple of years. Not well, like, maybe sucked. we should rethink the people that we're throwing <laughs> into this mix. And then they probably poisoned him anyway. That's what I was like saying. Like a sudden heart attack. They definitely yeah, something probably. happened. Murder by milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk about more about the Borgias 
next week, I guess. Yeah, let's uh, let's make line it up so yours comes right after. But this um, is the good part about a two week by the way. Is yeah. Yeah, all the messing up our flow. Yeah, <laughs> uh, after the Renaissance, there's a Reformation in the church. Uh, it's all it's a result of the nepotism and the corruption within the Renaissance popes, and also because of the Protestant Reformation, they were like, "Holy fuck, we have to redesign this whole thing." Yeah. Um, but the theory is that um, the Borgias may have been picked to be like the scapegoat for that whole thing, oh. where it was kind of like we can keep the history of like. The maintain that the position of pope is still fine and just blame it on this one family kind of yeah. thing. All everything bad with that happens in the Renaissance gets put on the Borgias and they maybe did something. Maybe of it, it's the but system. Everyone was doing it, or they maybe it's the just kind of were the, oh, Jesus. the fall guy for it. Yeah, sorry, which was easy because they were also foreigners. So when yeah. it comes to Italy, it was kind of like you, know, you don't have to insult the Medici's who are still hanging around. Yeah, yeah. totally. But yeah. It's interesting. Well, well to be continued. Yeah. Will they find a new pope? <laughs> they have a new pope. Oh, sorry. Find <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> what Next was the, the voice? Oh. I'm just I, trying I've to do the... It, now, yeah. I'm, now I'm into like... You're an ancient alien story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you need it like, me- like menacing. Yeah. But is the hat the pope wears a <laughs> reference to extraterrestrial? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Could the Pope have been a time traveler? What? <laughs> that was my favorite. There's one that was like like Nazi Germany. Yeah. And they were making this bomb and they were like, but could the top have been a time machine? <laughs> I, I mean, like maybe. <laughs> like, it's a weird time machine. Anything <laughs> could be a time machine. <laughs> I think Who's back taught to, us I was, was going to say, I think Back to the Future taught us that. We're on different pages. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I would love that idea though. If wait, we wait, were wait. like we invented I think a time Bill and machine. Ted taught us that. Aw. We invented a time machine just so we could blow it up in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> we dropped this bomb by well, the way. Well, I just love the, the ancient No, I mean, no, it was an ancient alien structure. But they always just explain what it is and then ask if it could be something else. But it's like you just told us what it was. Yeah. yeah. It's a bomb. But Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> but is the top a time machine? But could it be a time machine? Was it on the Nazi bell? Yeah. Is there such thing as the state of Idaho? <laughs> How'd you know that? That's what all the conspiracy things are about. People mm-hmm. always talk about the Nazi bell. Yeah. What was it? Uh, we don't know. Alien. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Anyway. That was aliens? <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't know. Shut up. <laughs> I don't believe in aliens. What? They believe in you. Was they're very, they're very supportive. Yeah, they like, are. Aliens, they believe in me. Oh, I can do anything. <laughs> she missed that, and now you just sound crazy. I said, I don't believe in aliens. <laughs> and I said, they believe in you. Oh, I see. We're recapping either, the either joke. Either they're like very supportive, or that I'm a mythological entity uh-huh. in the alien universe. Oh. Does Marcy exist? <laughs> a small alien child, like, I swear I saw her. Yeah. <laughs> She's real. <laughs> Marcy's just in your mind. <laughs> She's not real. <laughs> okay, we're tired. Thanks for listening, guys. This room's getting really hot. It is. We gotta go. Okay, okay. bye. Wait, you what? keep forgetting to mention oh, our Facebook. Well, I it's... mean, how did you find us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna turn this around on you. <laughs> okay, Facebook, Instagram, blah blah blah. Bye bye bye. bye. bye.